You got the call. Welcome to the big leagues, kid. going on everyone welcome back to the call-up presented by triple play fantasy another week and we have a very special guest and an awesome episode for you guys today before we get to the best part of the show i gotta introduce of course our co-hosts Vinny, aka down on the farm and michael richards mike how's it going man it's going good mandy glad to be back with you guys you know i took last week off in part because i was fortunate to be a guest on the road to wire prospect podcast and but I wouldn't miss this episode. I've I've referenced this week's guest multiple times on the show, and he's you know he's someone I've tried to model my prospect analysis around. He's also helped me land a lot of good players over the years, so I'm really excited to have him on. Before we get to the guest, how, how's your week going, Vinny? It's going pretty good, guys. You know we have the trade deadline a week away. Uh, I just went on Twitter for the first time day, and it looks like the Dodgers are close to getting Ahmed Rosario from the Guardians. But besides that, yeah, baseball's in full swing, and we're getting ready for the playoff push. That's right. It's an exciting time in real, in uh, you know, obviously the, the majors, but also, of course, always in the minor leagues. And this guest, uh, you could say, he's a trailblazer for anything prospect related. He is on the Mount Rushmore of prospect analysts out there. If you guys follow prospects, you know this man. You can find his work over at RotoWire. He's the lead prospect analyst and senior baseball writer. It is the one and the only James Anderson. How's it going, man? Well, that's, that's quite an intro. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, I'm doing, doing great. Uh, just happy to be here. We're happy to have you. Uh, I got to say, have you, before we get started into this week's episode, have you seen a season like it has been this year with the amount of call-ups we have at the big leagues this year? Because it has been insane, to say the least. No, not not at all. Uh, I think this is definitely uh, kind of a sign of the times and kind of a perfect storm of just guys being ready. And uh, it's you know it's it's moving more and more towards being a young man's game. Um, it's just a kind of economic reality of the way teams try to build their rosters and their payrolls. And uh, yeah, it's been. It's been a whirlwind for sure. It's exciting. Um, obviously, again, for, for people like you guys that follow prospects, that you can see them and their path to the big leagues and then flourish. And then obviously just talking about more guys that are, are making their way up. And leading into that, let's get started with our first guy that we're going to talk about tonight uh, for the call-up. And it is our first player to talk about as terms of our players of the week. And this guy, Jackson Churio, the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, just one of the top prospects in baseball. He's a very polarizing name, and he's playing for a team that definitely could use his offense down the road. Right now in 372 plate appearances, he's got a 278 batting average. He's got 14 home runs, 28 stolen bases, a 180 ISO, strikeout rate under 20% here, James. And uh, yeah, Jackson Churio is a stud, uh, but I am I just I'm so curious to hear your thoughts on him and what you think his ceiling could be down the road. 
Yeah, well, I, I tried to look back at all your guys's uh, tweets about past podcasts, and I tried to pick players that hadn't been picked in the past couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, but Churio, I think would have would have had to be the pick here, uh, regardless, just because this is you know the past couple weeks, the past mm-hmm. few weeks have been uh, really sort of the first time all season that he's just kind of smashing the expectations uh, obviously came into the year with very high expectations and there's just it his, his youth at double a, I think it gets a little under discussed and, and overlooked. Uh, everyone knows that he's very, very young for the level, obviously, but uh, like he's, he's younger than Jackson holiday. Uh, who's wow. obviously the top prospect in baseball and, the guy who's constantly getting uh, a claim for how young he is at the levels he's at. And Churio has been at double a all season and he's been younger than Jackson holiday all season. And uh, initially, like when I, I first started uh, working on my top 400 update uh, in terms of non-draftees and sort of how I was going to slot the, the other players in. And I had uh, Jack or I had a, Junior Caminero in the number two spot for uh, a while on those, those early iterations. And then uh, Churio uh, just kind of forced his way to, to the two spot uh, over his last 60 at bats. He's got as many stolen bases as strikeouts. And uh, that's just the name of the game for him. I mean, the, I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, like a, Wander Franco type of uh, contact hitter for average and, and that type of thing. But if Churio's just keeping the strikeout rate kind of in like the 20% range, there's just going to be so much power and uh, so many counting stats. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, he's, I, I do think power is kind of his most bankable tool uh, for five by five fantasy. Like, if you just said he's only going to be super impactful in one of those categories for the next 10 years, I think power would be the one, but I mean, he, he's got five category potential, obviously. I mean, he could go 30, 30, he could go 35, 35, um, just really exciting and really fun to see him kind of putting it all together here over the past uh, month or so. James, do you see any possibility if the brewers are, Obviously, they're fighting for a playoff spot. If they feel like they could use the offense, that they would call him up this year, or do you see him strictly as a 2024 uh, player at the bigs? I think it'll be it'll either be a September call up or a breaking camp on the opening day roster type of thing. I I do think they will be uh, gunning for the draft pick compensation that would mm-hmm. come with him winning rookie of the year next year. So uh, they're not going to exhaust his prospect eligibility this year. So, you know, max you're getting like 129 at bat, 130 at bats. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of in his hands. I think if he, if he, I mean, he's not going to keep doing what he's been doing over the past couple weeks, but if he just kind of keeps being a, a monster, uh, I think he will be up in September and uh, you know, they don't necessarily have a 
gaping hole in the outfield now that uh, Sal Freelich is is up. But mm-hmm. there's always room for a guy like Jackson Churio if they think he's ready. Uh, Christian Yelich has been an improved defender this year relative to the past two or three years, but I still think Yelich at DH is a pretty optimal way to deploy the lineup uh, when they're really at full strength and they have Churio up and they have Weimer and Freelick up. Uh, so I, I think there's room for him and it just kind of comes down to, you know, if they think he could help them, uh, I think he will be up in September, but not long enough to exhaust his prospect eligibility heading, heading into next year. Yeah, that will be definitely interesting to see if he does come up this year or again, like you said, maybe he breaks camp next year and definitely has to be one of the favorites for rookie of the year probably coming in 2024 let's move on to our next player here and let's talk about moises balesteros of Vinny's chicago cubs he's staying local with his pick here and one of the best better catcher prospects in baseball over the last 18 plate appearances he's got a 444 batting average homer and five rbis and on this season nine home runs a 16.9 percent k rate and hitting 278, so very respectable numbers. Also, a great eye at the plate, walking in nearly 16% of at bats. So, Vinny, talk to us about Moises Ballesteros. Yeah, Ballesteros this year has been a very pleasant surprise. Like, I remember talking about him coming into this season, thinking, oh, you know, uh, looking how he profiles physically and how he attacks uh, pitchers. Like, he was reminding me a lot of uh, Josh Naylor. I don't know if that's the case anymore. I thought he was going to go to the power side and kind of sell out, but he has been a very, very good contact oriented hitter this year. Like the way he's been controlling zones and choosing and being selective with the pitches he attacks this year has been pretty mind boggling. It's almost like we, it's almost like he's a catcher, but he has like a leadoff hitter mentality at the plate. Uh, He's not physical at, in any sense, he's, you know, maybe 5'7", 220, 230 pounds. Like, he's he's limited on the physical aspect of the game. Um, But, yeah, like, watching him against, especially at 19 and high A this past couple weeks, like, he looks like he's not even being challenged. And there are some pretty good pitchers in the Midwest League, if we're talking about stuff-wise. Um. But yeah, Ballesteros, you know, very interesting catcher is probably what he's going to get ran out as going forward. He has been playing first base with South Bend. That is something to really watch. Um, He's also been in the DH role. Like they're making sure his bat gets in a lineup because it's so impactful. Um, And I keep on coming back to this, but he's an interesting candidate to look uh, going towards the Arizona Fall League. I know he's 19, but we've seen in the past couple years now, teams get very aggressive with young prospects, especially catching prospects, you know, like uh, Jefferson Cuero last year going to the fall league to really get him a lot of run behind the plate with some very advanced pitching more than he would see at the high A level. You know, there's questions, you know, with him, with receiving his arm is spectacular. I think it's a little slept on if you're looking at, um, publications grading on his arm but we're talking about 
uh, we're talking about a catcher here who's on the rise that I think has a chance to potentially be the next um, Alejandro Kirk, mm. like a guy that you can consistently count on the bat and that's actually a little sneaky behind the plate. But yeah, he is a guy to keep an eye on. I would he's probably picked up in most dynasties. He is a guy that I would start stashing now because I'm not ruling out we're gonna see him next year, probably start the year age 20 in double A. Like we're starting to see this very frequently with prospects, and the Cubs have been very aggressive with him too. I'm expecting a comment a month from now on our YouTube channel. It's gonna say the time traveler strikes again. Yeah, <laughs> Alisteros has been called. Us. Yeah, I saw <laughs> that. That was a good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love I love everything you're saying about him, and he definitely sounds like somebody that you're going to want to roster if he's not already rostered. Obviously, a dynasty league like you mentioned, um, it just sounds like there's a lot of tools there that will help at the big league level. So, very interested to see his development as he continues his process to the big leagues. From Moises Bellasteros to Pete Crow Armstrong, the now Chicago Cub, former New York Met, and Pete Crow Armstrong. He's been in the minors for a little bit, 21 years of age, so he's still not super old yet for a prospect. Uh, double A ball this season, 324 plate appearances, a 284 batting average, 361 OBP, and 519 slug, 13 homers, and 23 steals here, Mike. Picro Armstrong is somebody I've kind of been waiting to see get called up at some point because I feel like I've seen his name, uh, again, for a, little, a couple of years now, and there's a lot of nice tools there. So tell us, talk to us a little bit about Pete Crow Armstrong, what he's doing this year. Yeah, so I had to switch up a couple of my picks this week based on the players James and Vinny selected. You know, doing this every week alongside knowledgeable guests is a gift and a curse. Yeah. Oftentimes I end up going with my fourth or fifth choice for the week so we can cover different players. I ended up landing on Pete Crow Armstrong this week. He's been quite good over the last 10 days, hitting 367 with three homers and a 1,200 OPS. But this is more about discussing him as an overall player since I haven't covered him yet this year. Uh, scouting grades wise, he's listed with a below average hit tool, above average raw power and plus speed. And my first impression there is that his hit tool grades inaccurate needs to be upgraded. He's never shown the swing and miss concerns at any level that would lead me to believe he profiles with a below average hit tool. I'm definitely not a professional scout, but I'd have him listed for an above average hit tool. Um, if I mean average, if I'm being extremely picky. So if that's the case, we're looking at above average to plus across the board from a 21 year old playing well in double A. Historically, those types of players end up being valuable in fantasy. Sometimes they even emerge as early round picks and redraft. You know, someone like Michael Harris last season comes to mind. Outside of that, uh, Crow Armstrong's steadily increased his ISO at every stop in the minors while being young for the levels. And his speed looks legit to me. Should be the best overall tool for fantasy, as as the scouting grade suggests. I expect his plus defense and center will keep him in the lineup, even if he's has a cold spell at the at the plate and. He's also shown a pretty strong ability to lift the ball in the air, so I expect he'll get to 20-plus homers in his prime. Overall, I've liked Pete Crow Armstrong for a while now. It's been solidified with his production in AA this year, and the things that he does particularly well, speed and defense, will keep him in the lineup even when he's not tearing it up at the plate, but he's also shown flashes of emerging power and a better hit tool than advertised. It's just a very well-rounded roto skill set. I've I've talked about Evan Carter a couple times on the show, and I'd I'd have Pete Crow Armstrong in the same tier of player. I wouldn't be shocked if we get a glimpse of him in September, particularly if the Cubs decide to sell off at the trade deadline. I definitely think this is their center fielder of the future. For me, it's just really a matter of how the hit tool translates to the highest level. And I can see an adjustment period out the gate, but I feel pretty confident he's going to end up being a player we want on our teams in the future. 
And I will say I've seen him ranked anywhere from the top 10 to top 40. So there could be some interesting trade possibilities out there. If you, if you find someone who sees it differently than you, like regardless what side you're on. Yeah, that's a good point. Obviously his most recent hot streak will probably make his value a little, definitely a little more inflated for trades purposes, but uh, definitely somebody I'm very excited to see once he does get his shot at the big leagues, There's a lot of the great tools in his profile. That is Pete Crow Armstrong. Let's talk about, our next players are going to be pitchers and somewhere Josh St. Marie is smiling because two of these next three are going to be Red Sox prospects. James Wickelman Gonzalez, a name I don't know if we've talked about this season on this show. And you guys, you did definitely did your homework because both your guys, uh, like you had mentioned earlier here, right-handed pitcher in the Boston Red Sox organization, 21 years of age and a split time between high A and double A this season. A 4-4-4 ERA in 75 innings with 124 strikeouts. That's pretty staggering over 75 innings. I, I can't wait to hear your breakdown of him, James, because I'm definitely not very familiar with Mr. Gonzalez, and I would love to hear your thoughts about him. Uh-oh. Did you guys? Can you guys hear me? Sorry, I had myself muted. Oh, that sounds like, is it, is it my head? Nope. It's almost okay, like I've good. never done a podcast before. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, he, w- Gonzalez was a, a huge riser on my last update uh, earlier this week. Uh, but I, I kind of regret not pushing him even higher. Um, he's just been out of this world for about two months now. Uh, he's got, four double digit strikeout starts in his last eight. He's gone five plus innings in his last 10 starts. And he's got a ERA under two whip under 0.9 over his last eight. And it's really, you know, he still walks a fair amount of guys, but he got the walks into a much more manageable range than they were earlier in the year. And He's just got such a like his pitches tunnel really well. He's really good. He's really good at uh, manipulating the speed and the break on his breaking ball. Uh, I think it's generally classified as a curveball, but it'll look like a slider sometimes. And he's kind of mid nineties with the fastball, and uh, it's just it's all working for him right now. He's the Red Sox have done a really good job with uh, a lot of their young arms this year. And I think Gonzalez sort of stands out, especially if we're just kind of looking at what these guys have done lately. Um, He got the bump to double A about two weeks ago. And I expected that to sort of be a a point where it would just be kind of like, okay, like a little bit of a reset here facing tougher competition, but it just, you, you wouldn't even know that he was bumped to double A based on the results. So uh, really exciting young arm. The, The Red Sox have a few of those on the way. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a guy who's, who's rapid ascent, like over the past month probably means that he's out there still in a lot of dynasty leagues and, and people are always later to grab breakout pitchers than breakout hitters. So, you know, he's been breaking out for, for a few weeks now, but he he might still be out there in some shallower leagues. What's the best thing in his arsenal? Again, I haven't not really watched much of him. Is he just have uh, like a, fastball that reaches triple digits is it his delivery is it like what is about him that makes him such a good strikeout pitcher i think it's the breaking ball uh and the way it plays off the fastball like it's uh 
it's a hard enough breaking ball and it comes out uh, similarly enough to the fastball that hitters don't have much time to kind of make up their mind. And uh, it just, it breaks. Like, like I said, he's just so good at manipulating the break. Like he can, he can land it for a strike and freeze guys. He can have it just frisbee out of the zone and make guys look foolish that way. Um, just he's really adept with the with the curveball right now, and uh, the way it plays off the fastball, like he'll he'll go fastball early and set guys down with the breaker late. Oh man, I'm definitely gonna be interested to watch some highlights of him and his continued just dominance right now with the strikeouts for the Boston Red Sox. Let's talk about Bryce Jarvis of the Arizona Diamondbacks, Vinny, who, again, there's a lot of great hitting prospects in this organization. And, of course, we've talked about the few, Brandon Fatt and some of the other pitchers that the Diamondbacks have as well. But over the last week, he's been stupendous. Bryce Jarvis, 11 innings pitched, an .81 ERA and 12 strikeouts over that time. On the season, his numbers aren't necessarily what you want to see. Obviously, of course, once you get the promotion to the next level, it might be a little bit rocky to start. So I don't necessarily think these statistics are indicative of just how good he's been so far this season in the minors, but a hundred K's over 94 innings. And this is somebody that I, again, I've heard his name mentioned on this show multiple times and somebody that the diamondbacks are very high on here, Vinny. Yeah. Jarvis since being drafted in 2020 has really had a rocky road to this point in his career. Like, he started off 2021 very solid, but tapered towards the end. Last year was a very forgettable year in AA Amarillo. But he's starting to put it together this year. And he started the year in AA Amarillo, had a very solid April. Uh, A rocky start to May, but then got promoted to AAA. And since being uh, promoted to AAA, he has been pretty, pretty crazy. Like, we're talking in the month of July, he has a 255 ERA within 24 innings with 24 Ks, and he's limited to only seven earned runs, and he's only given up one home run, which is pretty out of the usual for Bryce Jarvis. It could be, you know, being in Reno with some inflated pitching stats, but we're watching him pitch, especially this last couple starts, he's been looking like prime Bryce Jarvis that they saw back in Duke. Like, he's, you can definitely tell he has more confidence in his off-speed pitches. That was a big factor in especially earlier in the year, him giving up these pretty much uh, like handout home runs in double A and then just really trusting his arsenal. He's, you know, he has maybe two plus pitches. I would say the sliders average. I would say his his go-to best pitch is probably the changeup. The fastball serviceable. The curveball probably still needs some work. But we're talking about a guy that potentially could be up this year, maybe not with the Diamondbacks. Maybe he's on a new team or maybe he comes out of the bullpen. Like Bryce Jarvis is a very interesting case because if we look at, if we look at how he runs out in games, like he's very solid the first couple innings. Like he's probably going to be a, uh, like a three or four inning guy going forward. He tends to really implode once you start getting into the fifth, sixth inning of games. But he has one of those crazy, you know, off-speed change-ups, which makes him pretty serviceable as a back-end starter, maybe even a very good bullpen piece. But 
he's a guy that I want to watch going forward because if this trend continues with good starts in AAA, he's either going to be on a new team or they're going to really press the issue and probably get him up to Arizona. Vinny, do you think there's any chance that if they do push him up to Arizona, they've struggled with closers this year and finding guys that could uh, be the lockdown guy at the end? They've been cycling through Ginkle, and they obviously threw Chafin and then McGuff. Could he be the guy, hey, like for this year, you're going to be our back-end guy, especially if you said he's that like electric, especially just you know seeing him once, that they might just do that for this season. Could that be in his range of outcomes? I don't know because the fastball, like I said, is still very iffy. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to run him out there with a with a main slider changeup arsenal, but you know I wouldn't rule out, especially with uh, Jamison going down for the year, mm-hmm. pretty much. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that they might even look his way, but that's if he stays with Arizona. Like he could be right. a very enticing name for another team to acquire in a trade. Yeah, especially the Diamondbacks look like the be buyers at the deadline. So that could be a piece that goes to another team, and we will keep an eye on that. Let's talk about the other Red Sox pitcher that we're going to talk about in this section. Angel Bastardo of those Red Sox, 21 years of age in high A, 87.2 innings this season with a 3.49 ERA and 119 strikeouts. Again, somebody striking out a lot of players over his innings pitched. And a 115 whip, also very, very respectable. Also a 10% K or walk rate, not too, too shabby either. Um, Mike, we talked about Wolkman Gonzalez, and so now let's talk about Angel Bastardo. Yeah, so this is the player I'm going to talk about today that I'm least familiar with coming into the week, and I haven't seen him pitch a ton. But once I started checking out the standouts over the pitching side, I couldn't look past him. Over his last two starts, he's gone 13 innings with five hits allowed. 23 strikeouts with no walks. So that obviously caught my attention. I mean, that's about as dominant as you can be, you know, is it's about as dominant as I've seen from a pitcher this year doing the section. Uh, he was originally signed as the J2 prospect and debuted with the club in 2019. So he's been consistently moved up one level each, each season so far. And I have to imagine his recent run of dominance above up to double A isn't out of the question. When I, when I pulled up his scouting grades, He's listed with an average fastball, average slider, above average curveball, plus changeup with fringe average command. Not necessarily the type of scouting grades that'll jump off the page, but if those are accurate, I mean, we're still talking about four average to plus pitches with the possibility of improving command. I mean, Bastardo doesn't have the elite fastball. It doesn't look like that many people covet, but his ability to rack up strikeouts at high clip really has my attention. I also can't rule out that he'll continue adding velocity considering his age. I'd like to see the walk percentage come down a little bit, but he doesn't look like someone who has horrendous command to me. Considering he's only 21 years old and looks like he's on the verge of the upper levels, he's at least worthy of keeping on your radar. This is a player I don't think you'll find on many prospect lists right now. I mean, I wish he had the top-end fastball to go with the rest of the arsenal, but his overall skill set and production has me intrigued, and I don't think he can go under the radar much longer if he keeps this up. I'm not suggesting he's evolving into a premium pitching prospect, but We've seen countless examples each season of pitchers coming from obscurity. A pitcher with four, a pitcher with four serviceable offerings, improving command, and near forty percent K rate feels like someone we should at least be considering deeper on lists. So I would add him in deep competitive leagues where pitching is hard to come by. Those in shallower formats can probably let it play out a bit longer, but the the strikeout total with solid whip, like you mentioned, should garner some attention soon. 
Yeah, it's very exciting. Boston's got a bunch of these guys coming up that for a club that's already looking like they're they're turning around after what they were last season. And these two pitchers seem to be a big part of their future plans here. Let's move to our notable promotion section, talking about players that did just get the call up and have graduated from the show. Sal Freelick headlining it and in his first couple games has already kind of sparked the Brewers in a sense. A homer went three for three in his debut. Marco Luciano for the Giants tonight, who actually have a bet on a home run for him tonight. So hopefully he comes through for that. Excited to see him play. Alika Williams of the Pittsburgh Pirates and Disable Hernandez of the Atlanta Braves all getting the call and with their big league clubs. Let's now talk about our prospect watch and players that are usually in the lower levels of the minor leagues that we want to talk about for our viewers tonight and our listeners. James, the player you chose was Xavier Isaac of the Tampa Bay Rays, a first base prospect and right now an A ball at 19 years of age. 11 homers, 43 RBIs, a 266 batting average with a 15.2% walk rate. You talk about a lot of Tampa Ray, Tampa Bay Rays prospects on the show, but I definitely don't recognize seeing his name. So for those that are not familiar with Xavier Isaac, can you tell us a little bit about him? Yeah, I, I just kind of picked my favorite lower level prospect here. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just, He's like a prototypical teenage first base prospect. Uh, you know, you don't find many of those. Usually guys sort of end up at first base after failing at other positions or they go to college and they get drafted as first baseman out of college. Um, so like the true teenage first base prospect uh, doesn't, doesn't pan out that often, but um, he's just got such a beautiful swing. It's, we don't we we have uh hard hit data on the site for uh the majority of our hitting prospects but uh we're kind of at the mercy of our provider for when they get uh you know id tags for guys to show up in the system so isaac doesn't show up on our hard hit data uh page but he's got 80 grade raw power um just hits missiles into the night um outfielders don't really have to move um <laughs> and he's he reminds me he like my comp for him is basically ryan howard oh my um, god really but but howard howard was kind of a late bloomer uh he was behind uh jim tomey and didn't debut till he was kind of old for a prospect uh isaac obviously you know, the Rays have just a ton of these guys, you know, where's Kyle Manzardo going to play? Where's Curtis Mead going to play, et cetera. Uh, but I just, when a guy is at in, in single a, I'm not really looking ahead on the organizational depth chart too much. And just the way he, he's, he's already just so advanced at, uh, and I mean, single a pitchers are, are terrified of him. Obviously they don't, they don't want to throw him a pitch to hit, but uh, just to have the control of the strike zone the way he does right now, combined with that type of power, uh, pole to pole power, it's just really exciting. Um, <clears throat> the one aspect of his game he needs to improve on is is hitting same handed pitching, but it, it's just you know he's he's probably only faced I don't know seventy lefties, sixty lefties this year or in terms of plate appearances against. Um, so it's, it's not a, it's not a large sample there. So 
and he, and he's young enough and and <clears throat> talented enough that I I don't expect he would need a platoon necessarily, but that that would be the one thing that you could point to um, potential for him being on the strong side of a platoon. But uh, I I just I love Isaac and I love any opportunity to talk about him. Everyone everyone who follows me probably already knows that. Um, honorable mention to to Jet Williams there. So I, forgive me because I haven't seen your rankings. I'm just looking on a couple sites and I don't see him in their top 100. Where do you have him ranked in your rankings? <clears throat> um, I have him at 47. Okay. I, I got to say, I'm intrigued. When you gave me the player comp if, and like obviously the 80 grade power, that, that's an exciting player. Uh, man, it, is it when you see like all these other sites and everybody is, is the concern, like you mentioned, just, uh, you said it was the, the lack against lefties. Just his Yeah. Team. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's got kind of their advantage. I mean, they're, they're, they're splits that sort of stand out as, as there being a platoon split issue. But, um, you know, if you're looking at real, real life rankings, they just, they're never going to rank a first baseman who's this far away. Yeah. Uh, I, I know I'm higher on Isaac than pretty much everyone. So I don't really know where other people have him ranked, but I not surprised that he's not in some top 100s. I mean, he is a couple years away at least. Uh, but I, he's just kind of, you know, if you said bet on a bat who's in his teens and it's single a, and that people might not be that familiar with Isaac's my guy all the way. Would it be a bad bet to make if the moment he gets called up to the big leagues, if I bet him to be the regular season home run leader? <laughs> uh, well, we'll a- ask me in a few years uh, and, and, and we'll see what the odds are. Uh, I love it. It's going to be something to watch over the next couple of years as he develops. And I'm sure but before he gets called up, he's going to be such a more trendy name that it's not even going to, the odds I'm sure will won't even be as good as I would hope, but. Uh, that's definitely a name I'm taking from this show and I'm stashing in my head of somebody to keep an eye on because uh sounds very exciting. Let's talk about another exciting player in Jordani De Los Santos of the Pittsburgh Pirates, who at 18 years of age, just kind of getting started in his baseball journey here in terms of the uh, his professional baseball playing. And 138 plate appearances so far this year, 283 batting average, 21 RBIs and 16 steals. Uh, there's some good numbers there, Vinny. Um, but you always go really, really, really deep with some of these guys and you're Donnie De Los Santos, somebody that's very far away, but seems like there could be a lot of tools in his profile and somebody that, uh, just seems like a good, exciting young player for this pirates team. That's I think, you know, in a few years hoping to contend. Yeah. De Los Santos has been very interesting this year. Uh, he was there biggest uh their biggest player that they got in the j15 uh international signing period for 2021 uh, i want to say maybe it was 22 that was 22 but no watching uh all the the limited video coming out of uh de los santos earlier earlier this year in the florida coastly he looked pretty phenomenal like not not uh, only offensively, but he was very smooth, soft hands, very quick release from shortstop. Like he looks the part of a very good shortstop blossoming and his numbers proved it in the Florida coast league pirates. I think they got a little aggressive and he is right now in Bradenton, 
and he had a very, very awful start in his first couple games in Bradenton. But in this past seven days, he's batting above 300. He has uh, nearly 1,000 OPS. He's one of these guys that I think as we see him physically mature, he's going to explode in value. I think I'm just a little early on it, and uh, like I think there's still more to see, especially this year. He looks like to be having a, a spectacular second half. But he projects, especially physically, like there could be some plus power in the body. Like he's 18. He'll probably be pushing uh, next year, 19, probably re, uh, uh, re, uh, re, I can't think of the word, but he'll be repeat, uh, repeating <laughs> at Bradenton next year. But these are one, this is one of these guys we've seen the Pirates, especially in the past couple of years, be very good with spotting these uh, very, physical athletic infielders that tend to have some sneaky tools in there. You know, the strikeout rate at Bradenton right now, it's not that concerning due to how young he is and how quick they pushed him there. Like we need to sit back and wait on that, but just watching how he handles himself at the plate, especially of late. And he's starting to get comfortable in Bradenton. He really is good at, you know, finding gaps. He's, he'll spread the ball all around. He's not like a straight pull hitter. Like this is one of these guys, you know, similar to like Levero Piguero a couple years ago, you know, he wasn't, you know, draft. He wasn't brought in by the pirates, but he was acquired by the diamondbacks, but he has this kind of like it factor that I think we need a very, we need to really keep an eye on him because the past couple days, uh, some of the EVs coming out of Bradenton have been pretty mind-boggling on some of his hits. And, you know, if this power really does pop and, like, start showing up, you're looking at a guy that could be a potential 50 hitter, 50, maybe borderline 55 hit shortstop going forward. Like, this is a guy I want to start buying into now before he starts going absolutely nuclear in the second half. All right, time to buy now on your Donnie. De Los Santos in your dynasty league. This is the time before his value starts skyrocketing. Let's talk about our, the younger brother of Jackson Churio and Jason Churio in the Cleveland guardians organization, 18 years of age and 127 plate appearances on the season. He's got a 378, 512, 531 triple slash with 10 stolen bases and a 22% walk rate here, Michael. Uh, there's a lot of, great numbers on the screen, but what kind of player is Jason Churio? What can we expect uh, for people as they get more known to who he is, what kind of player he, he is going to be? Yeah, I debated going a few directions on this one, but after I saw James bring up Jackson Churio this week, I, I couldn't think of a better time to highlight his younger brother. Besides, he's been quite good this year, like you said, with those stats, particularly of late. Over the last 10 days, he's slashing 478, 625, 739, with a crazy 28% walk rate and 9% K rate in the complex league. So scouting grades for a young player can be harder to trust, but he's listed with an above average hit tool, above average raw power and average speed. I'll start by saying, I think he's got more athleticism than that. It's obviously the lower levels of the minors, but he's shown the ability to steal some bags. And I think steals will be part of his profile. I also think he maybe have a better hit tool than advertised, but I mean, we'll find out more clearly about that once he's in full season ball next year. I, I've been drawn to Churio since he originally signed with his J15 class. 
not because I knew a ton about him, but it was the situation. Like I knew how much name value can affect the perception of players after watching his brother tear his way up to double A the year before I was just ready to target him everywhere. And as I've said before, oftentimes the perceived value with young, relatively unproven players is higher than their actual value. It can be tough to get your league mates to value your upside players in trades, particularly in shallower formats. But if you're the brother of one of the most well-known players, that built-in hype's already there. So to use, to use a more well-known example, you know, someone closer look at like Luis Angel Acuna. Like he's a really nice prospect and has been for a while, but he's been known for years in large part because of, He's Ronald Acuna's brother. And I see this situation being very similar. I don't expect Jason to be, become the level of prospect his brother is, just like I don't expect Luis Angel to get close to his brother. But they both profile as players who should be valuable assets in their own right. And Churio hasn't tapped into the over-the-fence power yet, but all the other facets of his profile is right up my alley. And he currently he's currently second among qualified 18-year-olds in WRC+. And so he's ramped up his production from last season. There's just a lot of reasons for optimism here. So he remains one of my favorite complex league targets. Yeah, he's somebody that I'm excited to see again as he develops. And um, I think the player comp that you brought up also is a good comparison for that as well. And that is Jason Churio of the Cleveland Guardians. Let's talk about our last section of the night. Who's next? This is us taking our shot at who we think is going to be some of the next prospects to get the call. James, you're throwing the dart at Mason Wynn of the St. Louis Cardinals in AAA this year, a 288 batting average, 14 home runs, 16 steals, only a 16.6% K rate. And the Cardinals, it's interesting because they need pitching and they have a glutton of, uh, of a bunch of bats at the big league level. So maybe that opens up a spot with a trade for him to get in the lineup there potentially. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> Win is the youngest qualified hitter at AAA, I believe. Um, <clears throat> and I was uh, comparing his game, um, I was, you know, <laughs> a few months ago, I, I dropped the name uh, Colton Wong when uh, comping what we might expect from him in 2024 but over his last 25 games win is hitting 382 with a 709 slug seven homers nine doubles three triples uh three steals 12 percent strikeout rate uh basically putting the finishing touches on his minor league development uh just the with with these because wins a guy that going into the draft a few years ago uh he was seen as like a potential two-way guy like is he gonna pitch is he gonna play shortstop because uh, he's got this famous arm you know i mean he he's not Elliot de la cruz but like maybe one step down in terms of arm strength at shortstop um and so there was this question of is he gonna pitch is he gonna hit and i was always sort of like i i like him much more if he's a hitter because you know prep righty who's six foot throws that hard just so risky so for fantasy we want him to to hit because he's got plus speed he's really athletic uh there's there's a chance that some power could come and the power didn't really come uh until these past you know 
five, six weeks. Like this is kind of him breaking out as a power hitter uh, just right in front of us. And he hasn't done it playing in like crazy hitter friendly parks. You know, he's, he's in the international league. He's not in the PCL. Um, so it's, it's really exciting. Um, and you know, he's, he's been the Cardinals shortstop of the future for a while. Uh, you know, could be a 60 grade defender at shortstop. Just one of those guys that he's just never going to move positions. He'll be a shortstop, uh, probably till the end of his career, maybe, maybe finishes at second base, like in his mid thirties or something. But, um, just the fact that he's no longer this guy who might hit, you know, 265, 270 with 20 steals and a handful of homers. Mm-hmm. Like now it's kind of looking like 2020s in play, maybe 2030. Uh, just really, really exciting to see what he's done at AAA uh, over the past month. So you do think if the Cardinals make a trade that he would be the first guy that they would bring up? like right away? Uh, I think they would probably, well, the Cardinals are, so, you know, I, I think he, he could come up like if they, if they move like Paul DeYoung or, or something mm-hmm. like that, he could come up right after the trade deadline. Uh, th- this, this new incentive program, basically where we're trying to try to get the rookie of the year thing. Um, maybe they wait maybe they make it so that he's not uh hasn't exhausted his prospect eligibility but i don't know i i it seems like he's just so ready like this is the time like i, I feel like he's punching his ticket um so i i don't think it would be the worst thing uh to just bring him up right after the deadline assuming there's a spot for him um so i i don't know i i think it's it would kind of help the whole team to have a, a real shortstop there mm-hmm. that they're looking to next year. Um, he He's a guy that's going to, he, he'll be the opening day shortstop. I know that uh, next year, as long as he's healthy. So, um, and he, you know, he's probably his odds of winning rookie of the year next year. They're probably not high enough uh, to really get that cute with that thing. Um, but I, I do think it's possible he's up uh, right after the deadline. Be exciting to see, but as you mentioned, I would completely understand for the you know to get the extra draft pick if they hold off uh, just so he doesn't qualify this season. Uh, I think Corbin Carroll has that award locked up, but um, yeah, Mason Wynn is going to be very exciting to watch him, and uh, obviously, definitely deserves the promotion with those AAA numbers that he has this season. Next, Vinny is Sedane Raffaella. We have three Boston Red Sox prospects on the day that their best in Red Sox fan is not on the podcast. 22 years of age and between double A and triple A this season, a 297, 337, 492 triple slash, 12 home runs and 31 stolen bases. Does not look like he likes to walk or take very many pitches, a under 4% walk rate. So Seems like a type of guy that makes a lot of contact and does not like to watch the pitches go into the catcher's mitt. Vinny, this is somebody that I know Trevor Story's kind of on the mend here, but you think he might be able to take over the shortstop role in the meantime? Yeah, I promise I picked Rafaela before Kike got traded yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, yeah, Rafaela is very interesting. 
Uh, he's been playing a lot of third base this year for Triple I don't, uh, I don't, don't get mad at me for trying to pronounce this, but is it Wooster? Worcester? Triple uh, What? They're Triple A affiliate. Let's just leave it at that. Worcester. But no. But we're talking, you know, looking at his stats the past couple years, he's been very consistent with just hard contact, power. You know, he's, I don't think he's ever going to walk above 10%. Maybe, you know, maybe best case scenario, we see him get to eight, but he's kept his Ks below 30% at a very good clip too. Uh, the ISO has been very good. The BABIP's consistent. Like we're talking about a consistent everyday, you know, positional player with a very good bat. Maybe we see him here in the next couple days now that Kike is gone. And, you know, I know story. I don't know when his, te- I think it's soon that potentially he can come back. But I don't, you know, if they haven't, the Red Sox haven't confirmed that they are a selling team yet. But moving Kike leans towards that. I don't see Yu Chang holding down shortstop for the rest of the year. So I believe we see Raphael pretty soon. He could be one of these guys that come up and really plays. Like he could be one of these guys that have a breakout second half going into this, you know, the second half of the year to finish the year. Like he has the type of bat to do this. You know, the plate, you know, the plate patience and you know his pitch recognition might falter that a little bit. But he's very, he's a very interesting bat to watch forward, especially for the second half. So I'm. I think we might see Rafael pretty soon. 31 steals and under 300 plate appearances. If he does get called up, that could be a major boost for someone lacking in the steals category and, and somebody that could give you a, a huge boost in, um, you know, if you're, if you're struggling in that in categories league. So uh, definitely some excitement there and, and so a lot of things to like. So if you are making bids this week and you're able to potentially put fab on him if in non-NFBC leagues, definitely be someone to look at here in Sedane Raffaella. Our last player of the night, somebody that we've talked about in this section a few times and we're wishing for it, Mike, we're wishing for it. Maybe this is finally the week that Colt Keith of the Detroit Tigers gets the call. We've talked about his numbers. Uh, his numbers speak for themselves. If you are listening, a 314 batting average, 16 homers, 61 RBIs, near 10% walk rate. 248 ISO. I mean, at this point, I think it's it's what James mentioned. Maybe they just want him to, you know, not lose the prospect eligibility at this point. But his play does definitely definitely deserves to be uh, called up to the bigs. Yeah, it's fair to say this section gives me the most trouble as the season wears on. Like we just saw a 21 year old Marco Luciano get called up after six games in AAA. But if I had included him in the section last week, it would have kind of been considered a long shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most obvious choices are players we've covered this season, like Ronnie Mauricio or Heston Kerstad, or players who have already made their debuts, like AJ Smith Shaver or Michael Bush. I think all these players could be up relatively soon, particularly once the dust settles on the trade deadline. James and Vinny covered the two younger, flashier options that I would consider to particularly win. So I'm I'm going with the player I like the most that has the most obvious path to regular role in Colt Keith. Unless you don't follow prospects, you've heard of him at this point. I believe he just made his first appearance inside James's top 10 on Rotowire yesterday. So I won't go super deep since we've covered him a couple times, but he's he's listed with an average hitch, hit tool, which I isn't accurate. I'd say he's at least above average, maybe plus. 
He's also got plus raw power with 30 grade speed. So you're looking at a potential four category contributor at third base. I said a few weeks ago that he reminds me of Kobe Mayo in a lot of ways, but I trust his hit tool more. It's almost like he's a weird combination of Kyle Manzardo and Kobe Mayo, if that makes sense. Either way, that's that's good company to be in, like an impact corner infielder, basically. And you could make a case Keith has been the most consistent of the trio moving through the minors. So ultimately, the, the reason I went with him this week more than those other names is the team context. Like the other players I mentioned are, are worthy of being called up, but there's just not a clear path to regular playing time as it stands. And the Tigers have a couple young bats in their lineup, but outside of Riley Green and probably Spencer Torkelson, the rest of the lineups just isn't guaranteed jobs moving forward. I do see Keith as one of their cornerstone players. So it's, it's just a matter of when the Tigers want to get him in the mix. I think the bat's ready enough to crack that lineup, particularly. I mean, he, he has a good enough approach that I wouldn't expect him to have like a long transition period. So like I said, I don't love the team context for fantasy or his lack of high end defensive skills, but this type of profile could have redraft value. I mean, you can never say for sure with prospects, but he's hit at every level. I expect that once he's settled into the majors as well. And I, I think he's probably one of the better stashes left. He, he, he could play regularly once promoted and, he might have second best, second base, third base eligibility in some leagues, and he might even end up being an underrated draft pick down the line because of the lack of speed and home park and team context. It, I could see him being a sneaky pick down the road, but I, I think he's going to end up being very useful in fantasy leagues long term. I think he's an option as soon as he gets a little hot at AAA, and we've seen a lot of teams skip over players at AAA and you know give them minimal time there. So Keith's more advanced than some of the hitters that have done that, so he's my pick this week. I heard a lot of Kerry Carpenter disrespect. Didn't include him with Torkelson and Riley Green. Man, harsh, Mike, harsh. He's been good, but I still don't have him on the same level as those players. I do Fair I enough. do have Fulton Keith ahead of Torkelson, though, long term now. Torkelson has been a lot better recently, but that, yeah, Cole Keith, obviously, there's a lot of great things to like about him as well. As well as a lot of amazing things, great things to like about our guest, James Anderson. Thank you so much again for doing the podcast with us. And I would love for you to plug any, all your work. Obviously, I think 90 plus percent of people know who you are who watch this. But for those that might not, please plug all the great things that you're doing. Yeah, well, first again, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I just updated the top 400 prospect rankings uh, on Tuesday uh team top 20s are all updated uh, on the site rotowire.com slash pod if you want a, a trial and then uh i'll be doing most if not all the prospect notes for the site during trade deadline day next week then i'll be updating all the team top 20s again so you can check out your favorite team's updated farm system after the trade deadline uh, have the podcast that I just recorded earlier today, a uh, mailbag episode about the, the update to the rankings, and then that'll be an article form tomorrow. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at RealJRAnderson, and uh, that should cover it. Awesome. Well, again, check out all of James' great work over at RotoWire. Again, one of the best prospect minds in the industry. And everybody that watched or listened to the podcast, we appreciate you guys each and every week tuning in. If you wouldn't mind, if you are watching on YouTube, please like the video, subscribe if you are not already subscribed. Leave a comment down below saying how all, I mean, you could talk about Vinny being a time traveler. You could talk about Mike and his love for Colt Keith. You could talk about James and all the great work that he's doing, something you might have found that he helped you out in winning a league. Anything you want to leave there is always appreciated. 
And again, if you're on the podcast version, we appreciate you as well. But for James, for Mike, for Vinny, I'm David. We'll catch you guys next week on the call-up.